0: good morning, everyone. Hey, <laughs> thank you. Uh, for those of you who are, have been coming within the last two months, uh, I'm Pastor Mark, and I've been the pastor here for seven years, and uh, so that's, that's me, and I'd love to, I'd love to meet you, um, and uh, pretty exciting stuff. Uh, it's been a it's been a great uh two months it's uh been challenging i've traveled uh, a tremendous amount i've uh been able to meet with uh, just so many godly people and just um, uh, just so much stuff in fact i I was having lunch with the staff friday and and I saw after a while I saw them glazing over because I was trying to get all two months worth uh, in, in one lunch, and I'm like, well, I guess we can talk about it, you know, later on. And uh, they're like, yeah, please, you know. It's like, you know, drinking out of a fire hose or or something like that. I just, it's been a really beneficial time, and there's like so much I want to share. Um, but I, uh, I promise that I I'm not going to share it all today. And uh, actually, I'm going to stay in the the series of Philippians, which I've been following along. I actually have been following along with you guys. Uh, with E3 at the Movies and and Philippians and was really uh, blessed by uh, Pastor David Gortney and Eric uh, opening up and uh, um, learned a lot and a lot of history there and uh, very cool stuff and Pastor Dan and uh, just doing a fantastic job. But one thing I just wanted to talk to you guys about real quick is just... um, when you when i left you know you never you never really know like if 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 you if a church is a biblically healthy functioning church like what we see in the first century until it's tested and you know the tragedy with the Dawson family and 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 Jake And just, just you guys, how you've come together to be the rock for this family. And what I keep on hearing from so many of you is, Mark, you should be so proud of your community, how they've stepped up and, you know, and I am. I've just, uh, when it happened, I was looking at airplane flights to come back and, Several people in this community just said, hey, you know what? We're the church. You know, we will be there. And as I've been in contact with the Dawson family through this whole thing and several of you just, this is the church at its best when we're, life is its worst. And I am so blessed to be part of this community. And I've been in so many different faith communities uh, this summer and met with so many different pastors and, and experienced so many things. And this, just let me tell you, this is such a special place. And I've been fully convinced, once again, I already knew this, but this place was forged in the mind and heart of God and we get to live it out. No, we're not perfect. But you know what? It's good to know when one of us need the other that we're here. And I'm just so blessed to be part of this community and just being able to see what you guys have done. Because it's made a huge difference in the lives of one family and the lives of others. So well, well done. Well done. So, we're in Philippians, right? And uh, we're continuing on, and we're going to actually be in, in chapter 3 today. And uh, we're going to be going through verses 1 through 11. Let me tell you, Philippians is my favorite book in the New Testament. I absolutely love this book. It just uh, it really speaks to my heart. Uh, this book I, I poured into when I when I first became a follower of Christ that I read it again and again and again and I didn't pick it because it was so short. You know, it just it just the it what Paul was talking about just really resonated with me. And today as we continue on, I I I think what Paul is communicating is so vital. And it is so important in the in the path that that we take as a church and as we are as individual followers of Christ. And it's like this this warning, this echo from 2,000 years ago, reminding us what we're meant to be about and that there are people out there who want to steal our joy. In my doctoral program, my, my thesis, my, my dissertation is actually on uh, what's happened to the joy in the American church. And trying to, you know, find out, you know, what, what has happened and what, what has been stolen from us. And Paul here opens up in verse 1, he says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. In fact, six times he says, "Rejoice in the Lord." In the book of Philippians, that actually, obviously the church in Philippi desperately needed to hear that word, rejoice. And you know what the truth is about about this understanding of rejoicing, and a lot of times we think joy and rejoicing that we come to a place like this and uh, once a week. For, for an hour, and we rejoice. We sing, we learn together, we laugh together. But you know what the true value of today is? The true value of this gathering is, is what lives beyond it. What we take what, when we are filled up with joy and that we can rejoice and bring joy to a lost and hurting world. This is what Paul is like, look, rejoice, always rejoice. He says, I will never get tired of telling you these things. And I do it to safeguard your faith. I love this, this image of I never get tired. I was like thinking, you know, like my mom, my mom would never get tired of telling me to pick up my clothes. My wife never gets tired of telling me to, you know, pick up after myself. I'm, they may have got tired of it, but they, they seem to have an endless stream of energy when it comes to those things. Like the battle of the wills, they're winning. Well, I don't live with my mom anymore, but you know what, I, I won, I moved out. And, uh, but Paul's here like, I never tire of telling you to rejoice. That, that a, a life in Christ without joy is no life at all. And if we're sitting here today and they're like, you know what? Outside of just circumstantial stuff, if I'm not experiencing a real joy in my salvation, there's something really wrong. I'm just going to flat out tell you if you are not experiencing this joy in your salvation, there's something amiss in your Christian faith. And maybe Paul, over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at more of this, but maybe Paul is going to enlighten us to some of these, these joy stealers. He goes on to say this. He goes, watch out for those dogs. I love Paul and Jesus when they start calling people dogs and broods of viper. And that resonates with me. You dogs, you know. And I was actually going to bring up a picture of like a puppy. And we go, go. oh, that's not the kind of dog that he's talking about. The dog that he is talking about is a, you know, like a mangy dog. I don't know if you've ever been in a third world country, but like dogs just around and they're just kind of scroungy. That's the way they were in Jerusalem and in Rome and things like that, that really people didn't have dogs as pets, that they were these, these you know, almost like uh raccoons no raccoons are cute uh possum yeah like a possum nobody likes possums right and you know they're they're nasty they're like yuck and so they got these nasty dogs walking around this is what he's saying they're like you're like what is he saying says watch out for those those dogs you know they, they these 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 creatures these first century big possums walking around you know Don't be, you know, like them. These people who do evil, those mutilators who say to you, you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Basically, Paul is using the, 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 the illustration or, or the opportunity to talk about circumcision because this is a letter to the church of Philippi. And obviously there's some people saying you need to be circumcised. But the bigger picture here is that there were 613 laws of Moses. The law. And what people tried to do was to keep all 613 of these laws and traditions to earn favor with God. And he's like, watch out for those people who want to put you back under this law. He says it this way in Galatians chapter 3. In verse 10, he says, But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. See, if you have been told that, you know what, you need to do this, 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 and this to have a right relationship with God, that you have to somehow earn favor and merit for God to accept you, you are living under a curse. Not my words, but Scripture. You are living a cursed life. And no wonder if you have bought into that, that you know what? You're not experiencing the joy in your salvation. In verse 13 it says, But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When He was hung on the cross, he took upon Himself the curse of our wrongdoing. He's just kind of laying it out. It's like, look, the, the bondage in other, in other scriptures talk about the, the law being bondage. This bondage of, of saying, you know what, I need to, I need to do this before I can have a relationship with, with Christ, or I have to do this before I have a relationship with God. i got to do these things. i got to get myself you know, cleaned up and, and all these things. But that is a lie. It is a perversion of the gospel. In fact, it is even, not even close to the gospel. It's actually a curse. And he goes on to say, Look, I've been on this route. I've, I've been on this path, and I know that it leads nowhere. I love Paul. He has so much confidence in himself that... that like, he says things that I could never say publicly or, or, or privately. I mean, imagine this next thing. you saying, though I could have had confidence in my own efforts, if anyone could, you know. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts... I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight years, eight, years, eight days old. I am a pure-blood citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the, member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. You see, if we can somehow make ourselves good enough or we do enough things to gain acceptance from God, then we don't need God. And no one, even as good as Paul was, ever attained that position, all it led him to was a empty religious experience. And then he kind of thinks about this and he thinks about the curse that he is under, thinking about the law. And let me tell you, doing good things and trying to be good enough for the sake of just being good enough will end in just emptiness. Emptiness. Because there is no joy there. And he starts comparing that to what he now knows of the unmerited favor, the grace that he has found in Jesus Christ. He goes on, he says, I once thought that these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Here he, he's talking about this, this chasm between garbage and actually having an authentic relationship with Christ. And here we have what I believe is the worst translated word in the New Testament. You see this, this word for garbage in the Greek is skubalon and that translated is not garbage. And please look this up because I'm going somewhere with this. If, if you want to, it's very easy to find out. This word does not mean garbage. It is a Greek slang word for animal dung. Okay, there's a vast difference between garbage and scubalon, animal dung. There's a vast difference between you know, what you find in the trash and that what your neighbor's dog left in your front yard. And he's trying to make a theological point here for us to really understand the depth of, of the chasm between Skubalon and Christ. You know, garbage... You know I, know, I have a lot of friends who love garbage day because they drive around and they go through, you know, looking for, you know, chairs or other things of value, right? That, that they, they like to find things it and it's redeemable. But nobody goes around on dog poo day and looking in their neighbor's yard and trying to find, you know, animal waste. There's a huge difference and this is important because, you know, the seed of an idea that's planted in your mind can change everything. And if your idea is garbage, you know what? You can say, well, garbage isn't that bad. In fact, when I was in Seattle, uh, I was trying to catch a, a uh, ferry with an E and... Uh, and I, and I missed it, and uh, fortunately for me that there, there was a, there was a farmer's market going on, so I started walking around the farmer's market, and, and I, I came along, I came along uh, some clam chowder, it was so good. Like, that's the clam chowder they're going to have in heaven. (laughs) You'll have it someday. It's outstanding. Then I had some coffee and, you know, no surprise, and just walking around. And I came past this one booth, and I stopped. You ever looked at something, and you knew what it was, but you didn't know anything about it, or you couldn't really, like, you knew there was something special and unique about it? Well, this is one of those cases where I was walking by, and I just stopped, and I knew what I was looking at, but it was so unique and so beautiful that I just had to look from a distance. I didn't even want to approach it and as I looked at it and i i I saw the the young lady who who was uh working the booth, and I finally walked up and I'm like, "Tell me about these things you know that you have and she's like, "Well, these are these journals that I've made, and I'm like they're they're, all of them are different and they're unique and they're, they're beautiful. And she says, yeah, all of them have been made out of discarded items. She says, what I do is I walk around the neighborhood and I find old jackets and buttons and metal things and rope that that have been thrown away. And then I, I put them back together um, into journals and different book covers. And and I thought, wow, that is, that is so beautiful. You know, the, the idea that, that once what was worthless and, and cast away could, could be re-put together by the artist to create something beautiful. That's the gospel. That's not what Paul is talking about. As garbage is something that, that can be redeemed. He's talking about scubalon. that, That is absolutely worthless. And this idea is so important that, that we get it in our heads because we all, we all know that, that, that we even have a saying, one man's trash is uh, another man's treasure. It's not a little late, but good. (laughs) Half credit. (laughs) What he's trying to have us understand is, you know what? You want to go on the path of of self-proclaimed, self-achieved righteousness? If you achieve that, all of it, like he did, at the end, all you have achieved is a pile of scuba The other problem with this translation is that it's not offensive enough. Calling it garbage is not offensive. And you know what? The gospel is offensive. It's meant to be it's intentionally meant to be knowing the gospel and its truth and in its essence is offensive jesus talks about this in john chapter 6 in verse 61 jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining so he said to them does this offend you and he's talking about coming to him and him being the way then what do you think if you see the son of man ascend to heaven again The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human efforts accomplish nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Paul likes to offend as well, and he does it again in Galatians chapter 5. He says, if I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. That's offensive. It's like, but it's true. It's like, look, believe me, in the seven years I've been here in talking about grace, unmerited favor, that there, there's no religion in the world that is going to get us to God that I have had so many people come and and hammer me about it and hammer and hammer. And you need to tell people to do X, Y, and Z. And I can understand the frustration that Paul is saying, look, if you want to mutilate yourself, go mutilate yourself. But for me, I am going to drop the bondage of a works-based religion and pursue having an authentic relationship with my creator. Because what you are experiencing is scuba on. He continues on and, and he really ratches it up at this point. He says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You see, here's a very big problem in American Christianity and the religion of American Christianity. A few years back, I was uh, at a restaurant, eavesdropping on the people behind me. <laughs> you do it too. I mean, <laughs> I was listening to what they were saying, and and they're like talking about this guy who wasn 't a follower of Christ, and they kept on saying, "He is so good and so kind and so loving he would make such a great Christian. I was sitting there going i 'm sure like shannon's like don't say anything don 't say anything you know and, and I was in there and I, you know I held my, and I held my tongue but you know what? The gospel isn't finding people who are good enough and smart enough and have people like them and slapping the Christian label on them. Scoobalon, that is what that is. It's in the Bible. I can say it as much as I want. <laughs> and the the power of the gospel, and I and it, is this, and I just. <laughs> on my first sunday back i just want to i just want to lay lay it out the gospel how how i've read it in in scripture and how I, how i believe paul and jesus has communicated it is this you see in our own ways as we have just gone and we have lived our lives apart from having a relationship with Jesus Christ because of our baggage and our, and our coping mechanisms. And we all have them. I have them. You have them. I mean, let's just be honest. We do things that are self-destructive in order to get through the day. Sometimes it's worse than others that we've 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 hurt people that we love, we've hurt people that we don't know. We've turned our back on our creator. And even though we had thought that we have constructed a way to do life, we were still in utter darkness, not experiencing the vision that God had for our lives. And as we were doing our thing and, 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 and living in darkness, that God, the Bible says God loved us so much that He sent His Son to come to us because we did not have the ability to come to Him. And He desired this relationship so much that He was willing to break the fellowship, the trinity that He had known for eternity to come to us in our need, in our hurt, in our pain. And He didn't come to say, look, there's 613 laws that you are not fulfilling. No, came to us. He said, you know what? I love you and accept you exactly as you are. And I want to be with you for eternity. He says, if you believe in me, these 613 laws, all these things that you felt that you had to do, all these things that you thought that you had to act like and be like, that you know what? You are no longer under that curse. And now you can drop the bondage, you can drop those chains and experience True freedom, true joy in having a relationship with our Father in heaven. And people found this offensive. People still find this offensive. People want so desperately for some one reason or another to put the chains back on you. And they think, you know what? Put these chains on and do this and do this and do this and do this and then you'll get a passing grade and be a good Christian. You know what? You don't need to be a good Christian. What you need is to be invested in a relationship with the one true living God. And let me tell you what happens. We all have friends, right? And acquaintances. Some of them make us better than the people we are by ourselves. Others don't make us so good, right? There's people that you you know if you go and hang out with them for any length of a time that they're either going to make you better than you are or they're going to take you down into a dark place. The same is true with our relationship with God. That instead of us saying, okay, I got to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, so i can earn god's favor god says no i just want to be in relationship with you and in that relationship that i'm going to mold you and stretch you and show you things that you never believed or understood were there and because of your relationship with me that it, organically and naturally you are you will start to live out this life that I have envisioned for you and you will in turn go and be a gift to a lost and hurting world around us. You see the difference there? The first one, I'm going to do all these things to earn God's favor, is built out of pride and self-determination and not out of need. Where the other is an accepting of of a relationship, an eternal relationship where you're opening yourself up to to the ideas of God that will change us from our core and move us from where we are to being a joy and a blessing to those around us. Remember, the value of today is only what lives beyond it. And if you walk out here today and say, Oh, I understand that great, and do nothing with it, then this day dies. The idea dies. But if you go out and you say, You know what? I am no longer under the curse. I am no longer under the chains. I have freedom in Christ. And I will not let the mutilators steal my joy. I want to let other people know that there is a loving God who came, who desired to have a relationship with them because of one reason. He loves you. That is the gospel. And that is what we need to be out. You guys pray with me? Dear Lord, I just pray. I know that there's people all over the spiritual map today. I'm sure that there's people who are in bondage. Somewhere along the line that they bought into the lie that they have to achieve and do in order to be accepted. They're living under the curse. God, I just pray that they can break those chains. That they can drop those chains and just accept the freedom that you offer. That you offer a relationship. A relationship that, yes, will transform us like all relationships do. But unlike other relationships, this is a perfect relationship that will grow us and move us to live the life that you've envisioned for us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.